internet, my philosophy is if you worry, you just suffer twice. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm Shahir Dowd. Matt, try to act unpredictable. What? Uh, what? Yeah, no, that's not, I guess that was the most predictable, unpredictable thing there I could do. There is something unpredictable about this room right now. Is there? Is there? Why? <laughs> ah! See, now it's just so unpredictable, I can't even take it. Jess? What? Yeah! Hey! <laughs> Someone's in the room with us. Jessica Tucker. TV, returning guest. Yes, returning guest, TV producer extraordinaire, and our resident uh, Harry Potter fan on our little podcast family. How are you? Very good. Thank you for How having me. This is the third time around now? Three, Pete. Yeah, third time. Nice. And every time you come into the room, you have this amazing, beautifully written. God, your handwriting's so good. I know. Beautifully written, like, pages and pages of, oh, my God, I don't know how. Her notes look longer than the screenplay. Her notes, (laughs) your notes look like, like a font of printed out, like, cursive. Like, it's, it's that perfect. Yeah, it's, it's in script. And then whenever I really want to remember something, I print it. Wow. wow. Oh, there so, is yeah. a system. There's yeah. A system. So if someone found your notebook, they would be able to decipher the code within. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for coming. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, it, It's been to far too long. Yeah. It's been since The Revenant came out. I, I, think. I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was like Christmas last year. It was, well, we did it in January. Oh, right. And it was funny when, when Jess came into the studio, uh, my landlords normally put um, the nutcrackers up the stairs to get to my <laughs> I'm apartment. I'm not sure where the story's going. <laughs> Follow me on this one. Uh, no, but there's like literally like a ton of like different, like there's a soldier nutcracker and the Santa nutcracker and like all that stuff all the way up two flights of stairs. And Jess was like, oh, the nutcrackers aren't here. <laughs> I didn't know where to go without them. And I was like, wow, you haven't been here in a while. So we, ha- yeah. we have to have you back on uh, more consistently than just during the holidays. Yeah. Just quick question. So uh, the last time we had you on was The Revenant. What have you been watching? Like, have you seen anything great recently? Well, you know, what have you been into? Uh, movie-wise or, yeah. or TV-wise? Both. Whatever. Either or. Um, Go with what you feel. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So I guess... What have you been obsessed with recently? I'm obs- I'm obsessed with Game of Thrones, which... Right. right. Well, as a, as a as a co-founder of the Melisandre Parentage uh, <laughs> Union, <laughs> yeah. uh, which we I am also a member. Oh, right. Okay. Um, <laughs> There's a thing. There's an email shit here. Don't fucking worry about I'm, it. I'm obviously not on this chain. We have an email thread that's like a hundred emails deep. We've had one meeting. Okay. And the m- and the subject of the email is the Melisandre parentage theory. Who is Melisandre's parents? Yes. Wait, how old is Melisandre in she's like a, a million, yeah, a she's million super years old? old. So I love that. I love uh, Teen Wolf on MTV. Wow. Which... Plug in the network you work yep, for. Yep. Got it. Good, good. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. <laughs> you hear that, overlords? <laughs> but also I genuinely like it. It's, it's, it's uh, also like a kind of obviously a fantasy show. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I love the fantasy genre. So this was, Matt was like, are you a Potter person? And I was like, am I a Potter <laughs> <laughs> Does a Hufflepuff know magic stuff? Uh, wh- wow. <laughs> I don't know. I just made that up, by the way. We, I am not a Potter we, person. We started- is the Hufflepuff a thing? Uh, it yes. sounds like it. It sounds like a thing. Hufflepuff's a thing. Yeah, the, it was one of the hats. The the the, the this is gonna. So <laughs> full disclosure, I am not a Potter person. Shahir is not a Potter person. We had to bring a Potter person here. Um, How many Potter persons can you fit in a Potter person? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Hufflepuffs doing magic stuffs is actually. It sounds. We're like gonna that, do the entire podcast in rhyme. It sounds now. like a breakfast cereal <laughs> ad in a weird way, <laughs> like folly your nose. Anyway. Um, this is, if you haven't figured it out, we haven't even said what we're talking about. This week's is the only podcast about fantastic beasts and where to find them. And where you can find them is only at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. 
<laughs> or on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod or on our website, OnlyMoviePodcast.com. That is true. Um, this week, I'd just like to make an extra plug for an event that is happening this Wednesday, which we are going to present as a podcast the following week, and that is a panel on the uh, on Ang Lee's new film, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Yes. Just far too many words for a title. Uh, but we are doing, uh, the. this is in uh, collaboration with the Blue Collar Post Collective in mm-hmm. New York, who are bringing together the uh, several members of the post-production team for Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk to discuss the process of making that film. And uh, for those uh, who know, that film is the first film to ever be shot at 120 frames per second. For those who don't know. For those who don't know. And for those who do know, why am I telling you this anyway? Um, You can still get, uh, I I believe the event might be sold out, so I'm not sure why I'm plugging this for you right now. But (laughs) Because it's important. And we're going to be talking about it. And I'm sad that I can't be there with you, but I'm psyched to hear your moderation. I'm psyched to hear what these guys have to say about this very new sort of experimentally format. Um, and yeah, I think it's going to be fucking dope. So if you're in New York, um, look on eventbrite.com for tickets. The tickets are free, uh, but it might, I, the, the wait list opens up tomorrow. So hopefully there'll be some more seats available. Yeah. It's at the HBO theater, uh, in New York on, uh, the 30th at 7 PM. So come along to hear me fumble my way through technology. Oh, I can't wait, <laughs> Jess, it's going to be so good. <laughs> He's going to talk and like have to ask people questions and make them say things that are comprehensive. Yeah, no, it's not, it, it never happens like this. I just usually fumble my way it's through. It's going to be so good. I'm I'm doubly excited. I'm excited for the content that you will eventually get out, and I'm excited about I'm excited about hearing the five minutes before you hit your stride. That's yeah. really what I'm gonna. I'm gonna pre-roll. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna go there and just talk to myself, walk around in a circle for five minutes. Do do a do a hard ten before you actually invite them up yeah, onto exactly. the stage. I've only I've only got material for at least three. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. Speaking of three uh, plus two, this is the worst transition Ooh. ever. I would really appreciate it. Shahir would really appreciate it. Uh, and maybe Jess would. She can tell me after I do this plug. If you'd all review us on iTunes. We've been getting a couple more, which uh, is wonderful and appreciated. And if you guys like what you hear, uh, we would love to hear what you like. If you like what you hear from Shahir. <laughs> sure. We're just going to keep going with alliteration. It's it's a, it's appropriate for the Potiphar. It's almost all the shit fucking rhymes. Um, so Matt, okay, so let's get into this, into this, uh, into this, into the Potiphar. Sure. And well, what's your, uh, why are you not a Potter person? <laughs> uh, weirdly enough, and I, I, Jess is staring at me, so I have to, I'm just, ah, um, I have to say, uh, I don't like and I know it gets, I know it gets better as the, or more adult, I should say, as the books and the films sort of push on. But I don't really like my magic rhymey. I don't like it <laughs> sing songy. Like I like Game of Thrones, where its magic is sort of like very minimal, like but it's there. Or I like like Doctor Strange, where it's like a ton of like it's like a chant and like a ton of hand gestures and that sort of thing. Like wands, like shooting each other doesn't do it for me. But in a, in a secondary thing. I have given the Potterverse a shot twice and uh, beyond this film. The first was in college when I made a bet. I might have said this in the podcast before. I made a bet with a, a girl a girl I was dating at the time where I would read the first Harry Potter book mm-hmm. and she would she would play the first disc of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> and if I liked it, I would continue reading the, the Potter books. And if she liked it, then she would uh, keep playing the game. And uh, I, she, I ended up not liking the book really, uh-huh. and she ended up finishing the game. So I was always, I was always proud of my little nerd war. Um, <laughs> it was just as you know, personal victories. But so not, yeah, haven't read the books. No, and I, so I've watched all the Harry Potter movies, right? Yes, but I did it in a really shitty way. 
I was flooded in in an old house in New Jersey after a party I had thrown back uh, a couple years back. So my place used to flood. Not that my place didn't flood, but all the streets around it did. So we called the place the vault and we were basically on an island. Now we had eight or nine people stuck after a party there for about three days. Like we could, you could not leave. Right. We were bored out of our mind. What do we do? My roommate has all the Harry Potter movies on Blu-ray. <laughs> okay. So, so we you, do that. You hadn't gone to the theaters and no. seen them at all? No. We watched all of them in one day. In one day. Wait, all of them, all of them? Or like- All of them, all of them. Oh, wow. 7A, 7B. Yeah. So- how long did that take? A long ass time. <laughs> that feels like more than a day. It yeah. feels like it's more than 24 hours. It felt, it, no, no, it's not more than 24 hours. It's because eight movies, right? But they're like two and a half and some are three like hours. Some are three hours. It long. went, it was like a full <laughs> day's excursion. And I, I bet you I fell asleep during some of And it. also, no like, question. you know, just, just accounting for gaps in between. Yeah. There wasn't any. We just ran it. Wow. There was also like some infighting with some friends going on. There was a lot, it was a lot happening that day. So I haven't given it the true fair shake. Right. Um, Jess, what about you? I feel like I'm yammering. How, tell I, me tell me Potter things about well, you. Well, Potter things about me is I'm not a true expert because I didn't read Wait, it. Wait, what? Get out. Any <laughs> books, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'll support myself out. Yes, excuse me. Uh, this is where you find out that I didn't read any of the books. You didn't do your homework? I, I was expecting you to read all, none of all us books. Did. None of us did it. <laughs> She's still the most prepared and skilled in this I, that's genre. True, that's true. That's completely true. So I... And I actually didn't even see the movies until about 2005. Right. So I saw, I had a friend that was really into them and she, it was kind of like something like you, Matt, where we were just, we were in in a small town in Texas, like far away from people. And it was just like, what can we do? (laughs) And so (laughs) we, um, we, we huddled up and watched, I think it was like the first three or four. Right. Right. And then after that, I was once I like binge watched like the first three or four. Then I started seeing them in theaters yeah. and, be, and became a fan. But gotcha. Yeah, I haven't. Oh shit! <laughs> Should hear so. if you read any of the book. I mean, I've read one book so far. I'm winning on the book count. Yeah. No, I will definitely lose on the book count. Um, my experience has been uh, I watched the first two on DVD around the time they were released on DVD. wasn't a huge fan. I kind of was like, oh, these are they're kind of Lord of the Rings light. At that point, you know, the first Chris Columbus films. Mm-hmm. And then and then I heard, you know, um, Alfonso Cuaron was doing the third yep, one. The that was prisoner. the one I liked the best. Of course. I think that's the top of everyone's the, list, right? That's the darkest one. The Prisoner of Prisoner Ask- of Azkaban. Yeah. 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 And so I watched that and I was like, I was kind of blown away. I was like, wow, this yeah. is great. And yeah. and the thing that was great about it is it felt like a, a really unique standalone film that had taken what I thought was kind of a kid's movie mm-hmm. and turned it into something else. Then I started watching it. At the movies yep. when they would come on because my wife has read all the books. Right. Um, and and I also have nieces and nephews who kind of, you know, who read them all and want to, you know, want to see them. Sure. So we'd, you know, Christmas excursion, we'd take them to the movies and, and we'd see one of the movies. Now, the thing, my problem was, was that I felt after The Prisoner of Azkaban, it became... Rather than individual movies, it became, you know, my problem with the Marvel movies as well, mm-hmm. it became episodes of television. And it became episodes of television that I was less and less interested in because it contained more and more in-jokes that related to the books mm-hmm. that that I was like, well, for example, I think it was in the Goblet of Fire or whatever it was where, where there's like a, a long, uh, pr- essentially Hogwarts prom. Or something like that, and it's oh, really, wow. yeah, yeah. It, it goes on for a while, and I was like, this scene actually does nothing for this movie, mm-hmm. but it's completely related to the way in which we interpret the book. So, so I was kind of, I, I felt like I was getting less and less interested in the Potter universe, and then I'll, and then com- I completely 
I flipped the table and said, fuck these movies at, at the final chapter. At dinner with your family? <laughs> yeah, I was like, and what actually was after, um, I was, I'd taken a niece and a nephew, my wife and I had taken a niece and nephew to see uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows part A or whatever mm. it was. <laughs> and that's when I was like, fuck these movies, because that was literally, in my opinion, a half hour movie that had been stretched out to two, two and a half hours or something like that. Yeah. And it was just such a clear cash grab. That I was like, I'm I'm done with this. Yeah. I, I don't need to. It's see. the same as the Hobbit. It's the same yeah. as Mockingjay Part One yeah. and Do. Yeah, I th- that really the the. So I haven't seen the last one. I I just I and I hear the last one's the great. It's awesome. Um, yeah. But but the to me the 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 fact that they did that where they took what what I think was literally a half hour story and stretched sure. it to two hours was enough for me to say, you know what, I'm not paying any more money for these. Yeah. Um, I so, did. I did the same exact thing with Mockingjay. Yeah, I, I was so annoyed by the end of the first one that I didn't go. I never saw the second. Yeah, one. I haven't yeah. seen it either. I've seen all of them except part two of the third. So let that be a listen to you, pe- marketing people who yeah. are going. You know what? We can make two movies instead of one. But I mean, <laughs> here's the deal: Do they care? Do, does a person? Because they're still getting even if even listen eighty percent. If they lost the Jis Tucker and Shahir Dowd vote and Matt Kroll vote, I think that's enough. <laughs> I think that's enough for a marketing person to be like, whoa, we need to th- rethink this shit. I mean, I'm, I'm torn. Part of me thinks that we're, we're the, the egotistical part of me thinks we are that important. But the, the realist, the realist in me is just saying, nobody gives well, a no, shit. No, because think about it this way. Like, even if you lose 80% of your audience, you're still getting 20% of an audience of a movie that otherwise wouldn't be there if you didn't do it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're still getting more money. Here's the thing, though. I think if if the last film had combined what I hear is the great battle of uh, Hogwarts, and just that kind of little thing, you know, basically where Harry and Hermione are kind of like off in the wilderness somewhere trying to get away from mm-hmm. Voldemort or something like that in the first. See, I don't even remember it. I Words. don't really care. Um, if if they'd combine that together, I think that film would be so good, potentially, that the box office receipts would be higher. Maybe. Maybe. And they'd have to spend less money to do it. I mean, that's entirely true. I yeah. don't know. I can't. I'd, because it is, it is like watching that film. It's very clear that it is a blatant cash grab. There is no reason to split that story up, other than to same try as Hobbit, and, same as yeah, yeah no, a hundred percent. Because Harry Potter people are going to go no matter what. Yeah, exactly. At this point, you're just going, oh, how how can I stretch this even there? Yeah. That's it. I do think um, a couple of things. One is that the uh-oh, I, uh oh, um, roll up the sleeves. Yeah, yeah. Here they go. Here's here thinking. <laughs> I do. I am. I am. I'm in great admiration of the way in which the Harry Potter franchise was um, conceived from first to last film and, and in the way in which they conceived a world that was completely contained and well-designed and um, continuous, you know, like it, they, it seemed like they understood what the world was from frame one to, to the last frame. Okay. Um, and, and then the second thing was, is that, uh, I don't know if you guys have been to the Harry Potter world at, um, in Florida. Yes. Oh, I want to go. Is it Universal Studios? Or? Yeah, it's Universal. Yeah. yeah. And that place is amazing. Yeah. And the Harry Potter ride there, the two Harry Potter rides there, are kind of, in my opinion, the best Harry Potter experiences that you can have. They're better than the movies. Um, so I really love... Uh, that side of it is one of them the roller coaster with the two coasters. Yeah, exactly. So the that two. used to be dueling dragons. Or yeah, something. Like, I've been just, there before they converted. it. They just converted that one, but they did another one, which was kind of like kind of like the Back to the Future ride, Ooh. where you would be in a car and you'd watch basically a projection hologram. Um, it was like that, but in through the castle, and the castle was really well designed. That's cool. Um, you know, like they sell butter beer outside. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's really now obviously. 
what it, the the reason why this is all great is that they can make this is just you know printing money at this point you know like you can just make money out of anything mm-hmm. to do with Harry Potter but but I do think that it feels like the world was well designed and they really did think through how this whole thing worked you know so I I do I am in admiration of the Harry Potter universe even though I personally don't feel that connected to it yeah, um, it's, or that interested in it. It's just one of those things I feel like I missed the boat on. I mean, because you do in anyone's sort of either cinematic or yeah. just pop culture career, let's yeah. call it, because um, <laughs> that's what we're doing. We're working on it. Um, it's just like there are black holes. You can't see everything. I haven't you, seen any of the Hunger Games You movies. can't be a fan of everything. Yeah. Like, no. it just doesn't work out that way. And this just happened to be the one that. Um, yeah, I do. I also like that uh, it encouraged a lot of kids to read. Yes. Like to read long books, you know, like to actually get into, uh, to, to, to treat reading the way we treat movies. Yeah. Um, I thought that was cool. Right. I think it's also, it's one of those, it's a classic example of one of those stories that's put out for kids, but the depth and dimension yeah. that is it grew put with into the storytelling, it is also, when you look deeper as a story for adults, there's yeah. sort of all these bigger statements for um, things going on in the world and like how kids relate to, um, you know, fear and all, and all of those things that, that I think captured a, a wide age range of people. And then what's good about the fantastic B series is like now all these kids that grew up with Harry Potter have grown up and now we've kind of, we get like that leveled up. Like there's a lot, a lot of like adult magic yeah, and sort of like, You know, like I can see like kids watching that too and liking it because there's still like all these little like light and and jokey Mm. like elements to it. But it's also you can tell that they made it for the the people that have grown into adults. Yeah. That are famous. I'm trying to think, is there another property like there was there's not really one for our generation. Like obviously, like I would say the most pop culture thing of me growing up was arguably Ninja Turtles. Right. Right. Now, Ninja Turtles didn't grow up with me. No, there's okay. nostalgia for it and there's the new movies and like whatever the fuck and they're trying to rebrand it still for children. Depends if you went from the movies to the comics because the comics were a bit darker and a bit Well the more comics adult. were a bit dark but yeah. that was it started dark and then yeah, it, the, and that's became, not what made the money and yeah. then it sort of became you know your child whatever. I think the, whatever. The, the Lord of the Rings universe worked in reverse which is that they started pretty dark with the Lord of the Rings trilogy yep. and then they went kind of lighter with the Hobbit trilogy. But I'm just trying to think of like from a childhood property that now grows into an adult property. Mm-hmm. I, I mean I think you could argue that the actual Harry Potter series itself like the, those eight films mm-hmm. did grow with its audience. No, no that's exactly what yeah. I'm saying. I'm saying is that the first time that that has happened? I can't think Ooh. of something like there's nothing from my childhood that I don't I, nothing grew with me I've grown well I mean gaming has but that's not a property that's a that's think, a genre. I, think, I mean you could probably argue there's probably like Japanese anime that has grown with its audience mm-hmm. you know like manga mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of uh, I don't not know. Cowboy I, Bebop I or something. I can't anything other than Harry Potter. Yeah, it's just that, something it's just something to think about. Yeah. And that's it's an amazing thing that they've been able to do. Now, I They're printing money though. Well, well, that's the other thing. Yeah. And that's the uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, the only reason Fantastic Beasts exists is to print money. Now, well, there's a there's there's a side story to that. Which what? is which is that J.K. Rowling when she wrote uh, Fantastic Beasts, she wrote it just kind of as a as an addendum to the yeah. to the original novels because she'd had all this material that she put together. And from what I've read, um, she decided, well, we're not going to make this a cash grab. So 80% of the profits from Fantastic Beasts, the, the movie or the, the, book? the book, the book goes to charity. And that's great. So, so you know, so like it was, I, ca- I think that there's a bigger story. I, I think it's too well, too well thought out for it to be only about money. Like, I think that certainly it was an easy get 
for, for of course. money. Which studio wouldn't green light this? Right. You know? But at the same time, it's like there's you along the way, like it's sort in, in Game of Thrones is like this, is that it's all woven in. Like there's all these little things that are woven in that all connect, that all like tell like a bigger story. I even found like one like deleted scene from the very first movie. Um, and you can like Google this. It's called like chocolate frog card is the name of the scene. <laughs> okay. And this is from Harry Potter. This one. is from Harry Potter, the very first movie. And Deathly Hallows? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, the Philosopher's Stone. Stone. Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. yeah. And, and Ron and Harry are sitting there and they find like sort of like collector cards, I guess, for like famous wizards and they find Dumbledore's and they're trying to find out more about Dumbledore. And they're like, he's most famous for defeating Grenwald. Right. Which is the, the, the bigger narrative that's yeah. in this. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's interesting that it was deleted cause it's like surely, I don't know at the time they knew that they wanted to do something bigger with, with Grenwald or whatever. Yeah. But, um, I, I just think I, I love like this kind of stuff so much because I love whenever it's like, really like all like the levels and like the layers sure. and the unraveling. And, and that's what I love about the Marvel universe. Like I, I totally get that. And the, what I'm saying as far as a cash grab is, is it's and the only reason I, I think I sort of feel that way. And there's also, well, I'll, this is why is because it's, it's a, it's a newer property that's sort of now trying to do. And I hope they do more of uh, it, sort of following the, the Marvel, uh, I guess, uh, playbook because yeah. now here's a side character that we're going to make a whole slew of movies about that'll interact with the entire world. Now that's a cash grab to me, but I don't think that's a bad cash grab. Marvel cash grabs all the fucking time, but like as long as they can do both, it sounds like with the books, it sounds like it's great that she's doing a lot of charitable stuff with the money, but also like as long as it is always a danger, even with Marvel and even at any time you sort of do this stuff that it's just going to become about, okay, now it's time for a movie. Let's make a movie. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think this is going that way. I was, I, before I saw the movie, I thought this could easily go that way. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just think it's, it's, it's a weird, good kind of <laughs> cash grab. So what did you, what did you think of the movie? You know, first impression. Yeah. First impressions. Uh, I dug it. Um. Right. Basically, oh, let me read the IMDb thing for those of you that don't know. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about it. The Adventure piece. of Writer Newt Scamander. Yeah. yeah, Newt Scamander in New York's secret community of witches and wizards, seventy years before the Harry before Harry Potter reads his book in school. That's the very like. It's that's, like that's a very broad stroke. The, right. the Adventures of someone. I know. <laughs> um, I thought it was really good. I thought, um, but like, no, no. Let me take that back. I thought it was really fun. Right. Yeah. Um, the story is all over the fucking place. Right. It's needlessly complicated. Yeah. Um, but it's weird. And I don't know if this, I think this has a lot to do with sort of character directing and character creation and the actors involved. Like I cared a ton about the main four people. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and I couldn't place why. Because right. the story's not feeding, and we'll get into it more, but the story's not feeding me giving a fuck. Yeah. So like, but it felt like they had these four great characters that they didn't quite know how to integrate into the larger story of this five arc movie that they're trying to make. Mm -hmm. They had no clue how to like make to put them where they needed to be. So they just happened to be around when other important things were happening. Yeah. Right. Nothing felt tied to the four characters I loved. And that's the only thing that I'll say that sort of uh, was a, a detriment. Right. Uh, also, 
I'm a, it's weird to say this, but like it was so effects heavy. Like I just didn't care after a while. The thing I loved, I thought was amazing that you don't get to see a lot is them repairing. Like after magic blew up a bunch of shit, like mm-hmm. the wizards putting New York back together. Right. I thought that was super fun. And the fact that it was in the 1920s, I thought was uh, really, really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica. I liked it. And I, I, when you were just talking just now, it reminded me of, um, I sort of go through this duality of whenever I'm watching something, that there's there's me that just like likes movies like this and it's just like we yeah <laughs> this is fun and then there's that other part of your brain as someone who who is is sort of in this business and 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 you know as a producer and, and you know is always making stuff that you think about where you're like constantly it's constantly firing off and assessing like that looks really expensive <laughs> like, like, uh, you know, like, uh, or like you like think about the actors and, and, and sort of like the decisions they make and like all that kind of stuff. And you're, th- you're able somehow, some way it, 10 years in, I'm able to still manage to hold both. And I yeah. fear for the day where producer just takes over and I'm unable to just enjoy things oh, as the dark they are. Side. <laughs> but- here's world. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> here's world. Yeah. 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 Fear. She hears like you got five years left. No. <laughs> well, this is the thing. You're literally sitting in the middle of us. Like yeah. that is very poignant as the, the spectrum around this table. But my thing is, is that I think you actually, like, I think I enjoy movies more because I understand them better. Right. Like I'm, I, I think it's better to. appreciate them. That's yeah. something a Sith would say. Yeah. <laughs> I think come over to the dark side. You'll enjoy it. No, but I, I really, I, I'm with you. I thought, I thought that it was really fun. And there's all, there's all these little things that we could pick at, but. I mean, I, cause I'm with you. Like, I feel like they, the action wasn't really spurred off of the characters really. It was just sort of like, they kind of, yeah, they, they happened to walk into some things, important things that were already going on. Yeah. Um, I thought, I, I just feel like this is sort of like irrelevant. I thought that Newt Scamander was like, a, Dr. A Doolittle very... with, with beasts. I... <laughs> no, but I like that too. Right. <laughs> I, I felt I feel like he's a very relevant hero. He's sort of like the anti-hero. He what I thought was really interesting about him was that he's sort of um and and all of the Harry Potter people are kind of like this, is it's like this group of outsiders that comes together and they and they become something extraordinary. Um in like Marvel, you have this, you have like these, these characters that are sort of like always trying to get past their own ego for the greater good. And then you have someone like Newt who is sort of like, like, like textured and layered to where you can tell he's already been through some stuff. Like you can tell that he's got prowess as like a wizard, like people know who he is. Um, but at the same time, like he's sort of kind of like a nervous Nelly and at the same time, he's got that great quote, which you kicked off the podcast with, which yeah. is like, you know, if you worry, then you suffer twice. And so it's like he's able to hold this capacity of like um, being being a nervous Nelly and like all this anxiety. But at the same time, it's like he just like is handling stuff. And and so there's instead of like having this person as like your hero that just like doesn't ever worry, like he's he's kind of like the butt of a joke, but it's like unfazed. Um, he's encountering all these like sort of like um, I would say like the the big the big bad in this story is sort of like like that the 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 feeling of like lack and like um, um, fear in people and because he's sort of like already kind of conquered that in himself he's able to like not um, be 
like pulled into that himself. He's the right man for the job. He's the right man for the job. And I feel like Harry Potter, um, it's this kid growing up and he's sort of being like chased by the big bad. And I love the idea of Newt as a hero in that he's he he's like the anti-anxiety hero. Which I feel like in a world that, uh, <laughs> where where there's just like fear, fear, and people constantly pouring into like what could go wrong, like, and I feel like that's really relevant for I'm like trying, our time right now. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the, a good term for that because I don't think he's an antihero because he doesn't have that sort of tendencies of like antiheroes are sort of the mm-hmm. they're basically villains, but they're altruistic, like in their core, and right. then they're like because normally they're like fuck the system, but yeah. I'll help in the end, yeah. like. It's not anti here. I like it. Uh, uh, what did you say? Anti anti-anxiety hero. anti-anxiety hero. Anti-anxiety I'm trying to think of a, a smoother way, but I that's probably like the closest in, we can in, do. In any other movie, he would be like the B character. Yeah. Right. He would be the sidekick. Mm-hmm. And he, but I, but you can tell, I, I don't know. There's just like, there's something about him where he's got, he's certainly like flawed, but it is, is mature and has like already gone through, like you can tell he's like gone through some things. So Eddie, 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 uh, Eddie Redman. Thank you. Eddie Redman. Oscar winner, uh, Eddie yeah. Redman. Uh, he, <laughs> he did way better than I thought he would based on previews and, and based right. on everything. You didn't think Oscar winner, Eddie Redman would. I, no, I didn't. Cause <laughs> like, it, it's cause I feel like when you see that character that Jess just described in short bursts in like trailer form or any of that shit, you're just like, Oh, fuck, fuck this guy. Like, yeah. I had a very visceral, like, I don't like him. Yeah. But that's the point. Like, he's not, he's not the super sort of charismatic hero <laughs> character. He's this weird oddball guy that basically is the embodiment of, I've figured out who I am. Yeah. I know what I believe, and I'm going to, oh, there's laws in the United States from the wizards to not bring beasts in? Fuck this thing. This this fucking Thunderbird's got to go to Arizona. Like, fuck you. Like, yeah. But he's not doing it in an overt way. He's just going to go, and if nothing went wrong, that's because what he would have done. Because it's not about him. He's, like, doing things already, and it's, like, at the end of the hero's journey, like, you, ha- you have this person that's pouring back in the community and, like, sort of, like, teaching people how to live, and he's sort of, like, already at that level he's about to release a, a book that's supposed to do that yeah. like right. so shahir's been sort of oddly quiet so i'm confused <laughs> as to where he's going uh no i mean look uh i <laughs> i guess the thing was was that i found it very difficult to muster enthusiasm to go see this movie mm-hmm. i i was like oh uh, i did too yeah. i was not psyched i yeah. just i i knew this would be a, a cultural point to talk about yeah and I, I was pleasantly surprised i i i was uh and also i remember um around the time that the philosopher's stone came out there was a, a story that kind of really bugged me which was that uh romancing the philosopher's stone <laughs> yeah that uh, re- michael douglas uh really bugged me in that one um but no it was the it was the fact that uh, in america they changed the title from philosopher's stone to sorcerer's stone because there was this thing where they didn't think that anyone in america would want to read a book called the philosopher's stone so they they changed it oh, that's why fuck. In, in america it's called the sorcerer's stone really yeah and so and the idea that that, that basically they were going to do the harry potter verse in america Kind of just brought that back in my memory that that this might be a slightly watered down version. Well, everyone <laughs> felt a little dumber, like in America, like the 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 the, the, the USA or whatever yeah. the fuck it was, like the Magic Police, yeah, and also how they called Muggles nomadges, and I was like, that's the word. I was yeah. like, oh, this, and it did feel like. 
oh, that's an ugly American word. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, they don't do magic. They don't have no magic, they're no madges. That's what they are. Uh, and it's like, oh. It's like very like Neanderthal. Like, yeah. No madge. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I found it difficult to muster any much enthusiasm to actually even go see this movie. Um, and then when, when, and, and I, you know, I don't watch trailers, so I hadn't seen any trailers for this at all. I, I hadn't seen any images. And when Eddie Redmayne popped up uh, as Newt to begin with, my, my first impression was this is what someone writing fan fiction for Harry Potter would write. Yep. It feels like a, a caricature of a Harry Potter character. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of like, uh, I'm not really buying this. I also felt, you know, like straight up the first I was using that as a positive. That's why I agree with you. I know. I, I, I thought it was kind of like, it felt like caricature to me. And I was like, I ugh, this is really awkward. And it, and the first two thirds of this movie, I think were really badly structured. Um, the opening of this movie is just awful. Um, you have no idea what's happening. There's no sense of stakes. There's this kind of weird character, Newt, who pops up with this crazy bag full of goodies kind of thing, but you're not sure why he's there or why you should care that he's there. And and the, my, my problem that really uh, comes to the the four is that there's an A and a B story to this film. Mm-hmm. And there, and I, I think Jason, you mentioned this as well, is that they're almost unrelated. They're not related. They're not related. They, 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 what, what's, what's remarkable about the film to me though, is that by that last third, and it might just be a sense of like being overwhelmed at that point by the images you're watching mm-hmm. is that by that last third, you kind of see where the story starts why the story is placing these characters in this situation but i did find for the first two thirds i was like the your a and your b story are just almost unrelated They're and, not. And, and and in a way that makes me annoyed at this movie and and you know like because because i think the thing is is that to me the thing that's new about the fantastic beast, beast universe is this newt scamander character mm-hmm. and and this idea that there is this um, these beasts and this magic to them that's that's unrelated to oh, the yeah, Harry Potter. Fantastic, beasts. yeah. You know, I, <laughs> the idea I, I, they're these beasts and they're fantastic, yes, they're, and they, and we don't know where to find them. <laughs> where are they? I don't know. <laughs> Fucking so, nomads. So I think that stuff is actually kind of cool, and I'm like, oh, that's a I, I'm I'm kind of into that. Other than the fact that I think the film for the first two thirds is badly structured, <laughs> badly edited, and then but but the thing about it is is that and, and the secondary story feels like a rehash of the Harry Potter mm-hmm. universe. You know, the, the Grim, what's his name? Grim, Grin- Grindelwald. 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 The yeah. Grindelwald story feels like a rehash of the Voldemort story in some Don't capacity. Don't say his name, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, then someone's going to come cut my nose off. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> what, so that's how magic works, right? Yeah. So by the time, Half so the, by the time it, it's a, I'm, I'm kind of at a weird conflict here, which is that by the time that the film actually manages to weave those two together, I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, okay. it's not bad, yeah. but but I do think um, I, I'm I'm kind of like do I would I personally would I go see another four three of these? Um, I, I really don't think I I I. I if I was unenthused to begin with, and if I, you didn't have to do it for a, a podcast, podcast, the only I, podcast yeah. about movies, I I don't think I'm enthused to to do uh, to see it for a second time. I there were a couple other things, which is that the I thought the effects work um, got pretty ropey at to begin with. It was very very obviously green green screen work that yeah because fantastic beasts but but not composited well and and kind of feeling you know it has that kind of feeling of like oh here's a 3d universe behind a 2d layer gotcha. you know like there's no level of interactivity that that really worked for me and i, th- and I thought the what it what it felt like to me was a little bit video gamey 
Um, it got better as the movie progressed. And I think that may be a factor of we have bigger scenes towards the end of the film. So let's spend our money on those scenes. Mm -hmm. And the sort of fantastical scenes at the beginning of the film are less important because there's a lot of information in this film that is unrelated to the story. Like that is completely unrelated to the progression of the story. So I, I feel like it became a case of um, let's spend more money on the things that are related to the story. Um, the fact that J.K. Rowling actually wrote the screenplay this time kind of maybe answered that question because I mm -hmm. think now now being a billionaire and you know creating this franchise is like, well, I'm just going to do all these creatures and have fun with this stuff. But I, I just think the film... She's now the auteur. Yeah, I just feel, I feel the film meanders. That's it. I think maybe if you're into the Potterverse, you might enjoy this. It's so mm -hmm. interesting, the problems that you have, Shahir, because I have the exact same problem with the A story and the B story and everything, but the complete flip-flop of what I found interesting and good versus what I was just done with. Right. I really liked the first third of the movie. I liked everything where they were hunting the beast down. I, Cause I was right. only no, interested. I, actually, I did as well. I, I was, just thought that I just thought it was like, this has nothing to do with anything. Well, it doesn't, but <laughs> yeah. well, this is the thing. It, the, the film itself put too much emphasis throughout without connecting to our main characters, the people on the fucking poster with the wizard police and graves played by Colin Farrell mm -hmm. and the president and this, this, um, obscural thing that yeah. they didn't even say the name of, but like this, these, these anti-witch people and uh, Credence, the, the boy, the, the adopted son of Mary, Mary Lou, I Mary think. Lou. Uh, uh, and like, they kept showing you this shit and then Colin Farrell's talking to Credence and you're like, why the fuck am I watching this? Like, right. like, you have your scene at the beginning of this big dark thing destroying stuff. You see it underground or whatever the fuck it is. And that's fine. But then like they keep going back to this family and like it, they don't interact with anybody else. It's just this super weird like it, it's funny. It's a B story. It's presented as a B story. Right. But they but but all of the script points in the dialogue points it to be like this is the important story pay attention yes. to this but then it has nothing to do with your main characters until a very perfunctory sort of grouping of everyone together in the yeah. third act yeah and yeah. that's what killed it for me i loved newt i loved uh kowalski uh, kowalski uh, yeah. i love story coming up yep, tina <laughs> and i loved um uh, queenie queenie, queenie was the fucking best dude right. the best I loved the the scene that was the most reminiscent of like the Harry Potter movies was whenever they go to her apartment. Yeah, and I actually heard them tell a story, the cast tell a story that that a lot of that was very practical, and I think that's why it feels more like, um, like a little bit more like original Harry Potter is that like all you know like the iron was like yeah, moving yeah, yeah, and the yeah, clothes yeah. were moving. The, uh, and that the strudel was, being made was yeah, kind of beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot of that probably not the strudel, but a lot of that was practical, like puppet puppeteers. <laughs> they had a pastry chef string the green strudel. screen strudel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but a lot of that was like actually practical, like kind of like on a string, right? And so it felt like a little bit more real. But I loved that little moment where they were like in there, like it was this very like small intimate area. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, th I thought that was really good. But I love Queenie. Yeah, right. I mean, and, and it's weird because, and then I do want to sort of get into like the 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 step-by-step -step spoiler thing. But the last thing I'll say about the characters is Queenie and Kowalski, it's so funny because their their relationship is so cliche and it's so just kind of like the same bullshit you've seen forever. Yeah. Like he's the he's the nomad and like this is a, now there's the really attractive, uh, the wizard woman who like is like, just a secretary like that sort of like whole thing. it's it's so trite it's so trite but their portrayals that they did with it 
just breathed life into what I consider a dead trope. Like I really liked them. And I, the script didn't make me believe their relationship was that important or that Tina and Newt kind of had a weird sort of thing too. the, the small choices that the actors made, and maybe it was the director calling it out and maybe it was just the actors doing it. That's what bought me into the world and the relationships of these people. It was not anything that was really written, which right. is strange. Unless, I mean, there's the sort of side notes of a script where it's like, this, this is what the characters are sort of thinking. And maybe Rowling, you know, mm-hmm. told them all that to begin mm-hmm. with too. Maybe Yates, David Yates, who directed this thing, gave them all that shit as well. But like, there was an undercurrent of of real elegant character work here in a story that is incredibly disjointed and really ignores most of its main characters or in, in the spotlight of importance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. F- fun story. I, just before walking into this part, into this uh, recording session, uh, I was just at a toy store uh, buying some toys. Right. When in walks uh, Kowalski. <laughs> Wait, what? The actor play, who played Kowalski. Uh, Fucking uh, Dan F- Folger? Yeah, Dan Folger was right there. And I was like, oh, you, should, I, should I ask him to like... Yes! What the fuck? You wait until 40 minutes to, to fucking drop this? It was literally... I mean, he might still be outside. He's been waiting I, I, outside. Why? Do you fuck? Why didn't you invite him up here? He, he had his kid with him and I was like... Bring the kid. And I... and I, I have I, toys. There's toys all over this fucking place. And the other thing was like, I'm not that enthusiastic toys. about this movie. And I'm, you have a kid. Your kid's gonna... Fuck! Yeah. God damn it, Shahir. <laughs> He seemed like a nice guy. Dan, Dan, just a message to Dan out there real quick. I'm so sorry that you're here. Did not invite you up. Didn't have the the cojones to uh, do it. But uh, I will say this, uh, Dan, (laughs) even though Shahir was super rude and didn't invite you to our podcast. Because we're certain he's a listener. And it's the only (laughs) podcast. You didn't invite him to the only podcast about his movie. I will say he was by far my favorite character in this movie. I'm super sad you didn't invite him. (laughs) He was great. I I <laughs> son of a bitch. Look, I I just I wasn't that enthused about the overall relationship between all four of those characters. I I was kind of like I it felt forced it's to because me because you're dead inside. I am dead inside. Yeah, um, it felt completely forced <laughs> I, to me. I just so casually agreed to that. I was yeah. like, yeah, 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 yeah you yeah, are yeah, dead inside. I am yeah. dead inside. Yeah. Um, no, I that's I did, crazy though. I I felt it was a a little forced. I I I think the actors are great. And I think the actress mm-hmm. who played Queenie really just gives it. Do you know what's interesting is she's not really an actress. She's, she's a musician, she's a right? Singer. Yeah. 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 Here's the thing that completely I think offsets her and makes her interesting and different than the regular trope is right. the fact that she's an empath. That she right, reads she can see. right. She has. A, it's the complete opposite of the the bombshell of what. It's the duality of the bombshell. Yes, yeah. I, yeah. yes, yes. I can see that. The that actress's name is uh, Allison Sudol. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, she was wonderful, and also Tina uh, Catherine Watterson was good. I I, I liked her. <laughs> was fine. good. Was good. That. But no, no. There's the thing. If I, if I, if I, if I, kind of. Yeah, she's all right. No, no. If right. I had to rank it, it would, it would be, it would be Kowalski, Queenie, Newt. Uh, Tina for me if I was going so, down yeah, the list. and I, I haven't so the Eddie Redmayne train I haven't really gotten <laughs> choo, on choo choo you know like I, I, I was like I, I haven't seen you know the theory of everything mm-hmm. I haven't seen um, it was good the Danish girl or anything like that. I haven't so, either. So, so like when he won the Oscar over Michael Keaton, you know, for Spotlight, I was kind of like, oh, I was like, yes, who is this guy? Yes. Uh, you don't know. You, I don't know if you listened to our episode, but Matt and I and that's on not- opposite sides of the Spotlight discussion. <laughs> yeah. um, Anything but- to take that fucking shine away. <laughs> oh, but so, so the Eddie Redmayne train, I haven't like, I haven't caught up with, and I, and I've kind of like been like, oh, I'm not. I, I hear this guy's great. I haven't seen any of his films mm-hmm. yet. I, I think this was not... Oh, the, you, didn't, you didn't love him in Jupiter Ascending? I didn't see Jupiter Ascending. No, I heard I. he was crazy was in that film. Uh, yeah. 
He was like the evil, he was the bad guy. He was, he was in that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was, I didn't say that. Bad I don't know. And apparently he's like going full. He goes. He goes full, full bad guy. Full like, bad guy in that movie. Like screaming bad guy. Um. So the I, I don't know if this was the best introduction to 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 Eddie Redmayne as an actor. Again, I think he eventually won me over. Like, but I but again I was I was so sort of I felt the first half of this movie was so stumbling mm -hmm. that I really couldn't get on board with this character. And I felt like he, the, he was playing him. So like not looking at other actors, he was kind of, he felt like he was playing him slightly on the spectrum of autism mm -hmm. in some, in some respect, you know, like he felt like, which I think was kind of refreshing in an odd way. It was kind of refreshing, but he wasn't, I, I was not a social person. This is he a dude, this is a dude the, that goes problem, around and like finds beasts and like hangs out with them in the, his magic suitcase and doesn't talk to people. The he's problem been, was, yeah. is he wasn't, it's, it's fine to be not social. Is that he wasn't compelling. I wasn't compelled to like, Ooh, what is this guy up to? I was kind of like, Oh, this is again, a caricature of a Harry Potter character to me. I wasn't and, compelled as what he was up to. Again, I think that's a problem of the story and not treating his story of finding these beasts mm -hmm. to get away as, as as important as this overarching sort of five movie tale. Mm -hmm. I, but what I did find really compelling was the sort of, and this is a strength, I think, to Eddie Redmayne, weirdly mm -hmm. enough. You have this big blockbuster movie and you could easily just kind of phone it in and be this whatever. But like he gave a lot of like the right, I'm not going to say like super emotional weight, but the right amount of mo emotional weight to like when he's talking to uh, the bow trickle, when he's talking to uh, 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 Pickett, Pickett. Yeah. or like when he's dealing with any of the animals and like yeah, all that I, stuff, I, like there was, there's some real sort of empathy and, and feeling there. Like he, you could tell this is a guy that was trying to keep these things safe. Not just like gotta catch him. Pokemon. Yeah, I think there's a lot you have to assume about him about Newt and also about Tina. I felt like neither one of them had enough backstory to really... Tina had no backstory. Tina it was super flat. It was just also, she was kind of just like the worst up until a certain point where I was <laughs> she like... She kind of was. Yeah. I guess she's supposed to be one of us. Like, yeah. She's like, she's the hotshot magic cop that just doesn't know when to quit. And by that oh I mean... Oh my God, you should have said didn't know when to stop. Then you would have had a perfect rhyme. No, I'm refusing rhyme. I'm fighting against <laughs> the rhyme. The hotshot magic I'm a poet. cop just doesn't know when to stop. I'm a poet and I didn't <laughs> even realize it. Oh no. Um, so flip the table over. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough of this shit. All right, so let's go down a little bit of uh, some spoiler town. We've been talking for forty-five minutes without My spoilers. Favorite kind town of. is spoiler yeah. town. Spoiler town. All right, here we go. Population three. Population three. <laughs> Our cars go super fast. So the story opens. It's a little bit, obviously, we've talked about a little bit confusing, but it's a whole bunch of magic newspapers talking about Grendelwald uh, magic uh, starting a war with no madges. And should we know? I, I was like, when I was watching this, I was like, should we know about this? Jess, should we have known that this was a thing going into it? About Grendelwald? Yeah. I was under the impression I... I feel like inadequate as a Harry Harry Potter fan because I feel like I had to, in retrospect, yes. Like I felt like the newspaper opening, I was like, this is important, this is important. And, like, and I was like trying to like read it, but at the same time it does get like kind of lost. But yes, people who are true diehard fans, like the know that that's a stuff, thing. And it all like seems like it's eventually going to be pointing towards sort of this Dumbledore Grunwald. Like the movie seemed like they're going there. So I don't yeah, know. They've cast a young Dumbledore yeah. as well. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know how the Fantastic Beast title is going to keep holding up. Well, this Eventually. is what I, this is this is what I'm hoping, and I, I don't think they're going to do this. I think sadly they're going to keep calling them Fantastic Beast or like whatever. I what would be awesome to me is just they truly Avengerified the Harry Potter universe. Yeah. Shut up, Shahir. Follow oh, me down man. this rabbit hole. 
Uh, like, look, just jumped out the window. Look, yeah. Fantastic uh, Beast okay. is Newt's story, right? Or I wanted it to be a Newt story. It's not really. Uh-uh. If this sort of Grendelwald thread could pull through other real side characters, not necessarily authors of the books, but maybe one of the ghosts from the painting before they died, yes. or like any of that shit, that to me is interesting. That's and about then to start happening, at, I think. At the Grendelwald stage, when it's finally the big bad and it's Dumbledore versus Grendelwald, then you get all these fucking characters that might have had their own sort of story, right, right. and then it ties them together. But you're right. How is this how is fantastic beasts as the the franchise gonna really be the tie because and this is the point is i think that at some point they were like we need to create a four or five movie arc and and the problem is is that again this fantastic beast thing which was just this kind of peripheral moment that jk rowling had done some work on suddenly had to become a bigger franchise. And, and that the movie feels like that. And, and and the problem with that that newspaper opening is that feels really tacked on to the movie. It feels like it feels like it yes. came out of a test screening. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it like, oh, nobody knows what this Grindelwald thing is, so we need to like set it up right at the beginning. Yeah, because and because right after this and it's done in the most kind of I hate to say it in the cheapest way possible, which yeah. is like newspaper titles. Because you had to be, yeah, and you had to really be paying attention because mm-hmm. I didn't know this until it was pointed out later that it, a lot of the titles were like, where is he? Yeah. Like, he disappeared. Yeah. I was actually looking more at, there were like L- side like, advertisements like a, like for like butterbeer and nonsense yeah. all throughout it. Yeah. yeah, but like a man who went missing in the first uh, Harry Potter series. Yeah. And where is he? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't care. Also, so, something to consider too is that this is all leading up to the big battle between Dumbledore and Grundle is in 1945. This is in 1926. So we're looking at like probably some serious time jumps in between each movie. Yeah. Too. And I would appreciate it if it just, it would be so cool if they, if, if we could get off the actual franchise train in a weird way. Huh. Interesting. But no, but like, so huh. it's not called, it's not called the Avengers, Iron Man, the Avengers, whatever. It's not like this. And even that would even make more sense. But like, I want to see, I want to see Newt again, but I don't know if I want to see a whole nother movie starring Newt, Newt and right. his and his beasts. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I think he's a cool character and I want to see him more. I've seen a story with him now. Let's see a story with another Potter character that will eventually come to fruition in this Grendelwald mm-hmm. nonsense. I just, I, I wonder if any franchise this big has done well by going back to the well, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I mean, like, Marvel like, kind of. I mean, all it's doing is going back to the well of its '70s and '80s characters at this point. No, no. I guess what I'm saying is like, like, like the the Lord of the Rings. You know, they basically went back to the well and said, "Hey, let's do some more of these things." Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that by doing the more of these things, you kind of diminish the value of the brand. And it's like, you know, like Jerry Seinfeld had this thing, which was like, "What's uh, the deal with sodas at the movies? <laughs> What's the deal? How can you have a small and a medium and no large? What's it medium to? Well, sorry. What? Uh, um, but and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. But he said he said something along the lines of if uh, you know, the hangover might go down as one of the greatest comedies yeah. of the 2000s. If the other, <laughs> if the other, yeah. but, but then they made the sequels and now all we know about these, the, the hangover is these like three films. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering like, does fantastic beast diminish the Harry Potter brand? I don't think so. Cause it's a, it's a detraction I, I, from it. I, I think if, if what we're looking at is a Dumbledore, Grindelwald fucking battle, Johnny Depp and young Dumbledore, Grindelwald. I don't give a shit. Okay. Uh, I'm saying this is going to diminish the brand. Cause I don't, like, do I really want to sit around and watch four movies where it's just a battle between I, Dumbledore and Groom? I, I don't. I also, there's yeah. also theories, and this is going to get people more interested too, that we're going to get a Voldemort origin story. Who cares? But <laughs> some people might. Like, that's the thing. I but don't no, care. I, I understand. It, like, it, it's kind of like, 
It's kind of like the Star Wars episodes one, two, three. Yes. We got the we got the Darth Vader origin story. Does it make Star Wars episodes four, five, and six better? No, it actually makes them worse. Yeah. So I, I you know what I mean. Make, oh, so is your question? Has it ever made it better? Has it ever made it better going Ooh. to the well like this? You know, like like. It's has, certainly reaching more people. I think it's just adding to their audience. It's adding to their audience, but is it diminishing their overall brand? Like to me, well, if you like, okay, wait, define but, define but, what you mean also, by diminishing. But it. also, so does time. It's like if if time goes by and no one's talking. Well, here's the about thing: the Godfather it. trilogy, for example, mm -hmm. there's never they've never gone back to the well for the Godfather trilogy. Mm -hmm. I know there's been talks about it. There's been a novel that 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 expanded on that give it time but 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 you know they've like okay so the godfather trilogy is kind of locked in space and we remember it mm -hmm. right and it's got a, its thing if we made a movie now another godfather movie and it wasn't very good which is more than likely what would happen um don't you think that would diminish kind of our our impression of the godfather trilogy? has there ever been a case where they, where someone has gone back to the well and and kind of said hey let's let's do another one of these things like the terminator franchise if they'd stopped the <laughs> terminator 2 you know, like, it's amazing that the sequel was so freaking good. If they'd stopped there, we would go, that was one of the most amazing franchises in the universe. Mm -hmm. But now they've gone back to that well three times, and it sucked more and more every right. time. Yeah, but would it? But here's the thing. Would it be a franchise? Would it still make money? Would it still be on... Is would that, Terminator still be a household name? Is that worth... I mean, this is the thing. It's, a, it's the corporate argument versus the sort of what's important artistic yeah. argument. Yeah. Like, and that's what I would like... But, but, but here's the thing, is that would there... Is it is it better to go back to the well than it is to go and try and do something it's, else entirely? It's and better it, to burn out than fade away, Shahir. I think, yeah, well, because I never saw Godfather, but if you if you if, if an origin story pops they, up with a relevant actor that I really admire, I might go. Right, and 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 uh, Godfather is a bad example because the third one kind of destroyed that yeah. franchise. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm just I'm you know like if this is all leading to a Dumbledore. What is his name again? Grendel Wall. Grendel Wall. I can I tell you how to remember because I found this and I thought this was super, super, super interesting. Yeah. Was I went I was looking through like the etymology of, of like the names and stuff. Yeah. So Grendelwald, you can remember because it's like the Grendel and the Beowulf. Yeah. Like yeah, the monster yeah, there. Yeah, yep. And then Dumbledore's middle name is Wolfric. Okay. And so it means like wolf power, which and all of Grindle, a sudden like, and Grindel in the in the Beowulf story, he had a a hear, hear, hearing problem, right? He he uh he had something wrong with his ears. He like he sort couldn't... of like people were making comparisons that he sort of like looks like Grindelwald. Like that they're very like the pale and kind of like milky right, eye right, look looking. Right. You guys went all highbrow. I just yeah. thought it sounded like Grundle, <laughs> so I just can kind of remember. Yeah. It. Either way, I if 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 this if that's what we're going towards, if that's what this is all building up towards, mm -hmm. I'm I'm sorry, guys. Count me out. But it's the same problem. It's, it's the same problem I have sort of internally with like Thanos and the whole Infinity yeah, Stones. It's like if it's because what's going to happen is I don't I, I the, after Civil War that the emotional ties are what kept me involved. And I yeah. feel like that was the, probably the most important Marvel movie for me that might be for a long time. Yeah, I think I think Captain, uh, Captain America versus Iron Man is more interesting. than Yes, because the infinite cos cosmic bad, whether that's in the magic world or the Marvel space world or whatever you want to do, that's not interesting yeah it needs that is needs to be your b story but if that's what you're leading to and that's the sort of a story you need to do something else to it to really spice it up yeah. and something i hope they do is take characters like newt and the side characters and really make you invested in them more mm -hmm. so that when this happens 
It's not, oh no, uh, Grendelwald's going to destroy the world, even though we know Dumbledore kills him. Because you're, you're going straight back to Dumbledore still wins. Like, we know this. So it's not even like there's high stakes. Right. You need to make the emotional involvement with characters that might die or that might have some sort of bad thing happen right. through it because you know the hero wins already. Right. I do think that they're necessary. I also think that there's going to be, and I'm probably not an example of this because as you guys know, like I like the Star Wars prequels and I like the origin <laughs> story of Darth Vader. But, but, but you actually gave us a good reason to like the yeah. Star Wars prequels as far as <laughs> I remember. There's something, I'm reading theories too, that there's something with to Credence's character that he is possibly... Uh, Voldemort's father. Right, yeah. And I, I got that vibe the whole way through. Now, Credence is played by Isra Miller in the film. Oh, yes, and, the lesser Flash. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the next Flash. He's great uh, in a film called After School, by the way. And I think he was great I, in The Perks of Being and a And I shouldn't say the lesser yes. Flash. Yeah. I'm just saying I really like the guy who plays Flash on the TV shows yeah. in CW. Um, and he should have been cast. So, yeah, I but I did get the vibe. Like, And the thing was, I was kind of like, uh, if this is, if this, this character is in some way related to Voldemort, and in, like, in a way... I'm disappointed that that is the case because it's like, it's like uh, you're, you're in a weird way. You're kind of trying to remind people, Oh, yo, this is still all the Harry Potter universe. We're just going to keep doing this thing. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was like, well, I'm yeah. The but, more, but, but the again, more you tie but, back to the well in, in more overt ways, like it, yeah. you know, if it's an infinity stone here or there, I don't have an issue. But if every thread of your thing goes to the same fucking, like it all goes back to Voldemort, mm -hmm. I'd be a little bit upset. But I think, I don't know. I feel like I just feel, and maybe I'm just like trying to like make it be, about something deeper than what it is. But I just, I feel like what's great about the Harry Potter stories is like, I love, I love how they deal with like violence and darkness mm -hmm. because, um, I recently have been thinking about this a lot of like what makes, what makes the violence in a horror movie a lot different than the violence in like a superhero movie. Sure. And the difference really is, is, <laughs> is sound effects. <laughs> yeah. And also because true violence, like really mm. true, like, criminal violence is really slow mm -hmm. and really um well thought out and then whenever it's in like in like superhero violence is more like like Rock like who like looks cooler that's the sound like, effect you know like yeah. when you hit someone in a, in a superhero movie you go but doing when you hit someone in a what horror movie what superhero movies are you watching <laughs> <laughs> when you hit someone in a horror movie you hear a spludge and a out yeah, you know it, it, what <laughs> I feel like I'm not the best Foley person in the world by the way spludge and an out <laughs> yeah. yep that's I, when I was watching, watching fucking, Halloween yeah. <laughs> when, when yeah. Mike Myers like hit someone spludge out you hear blood but and I'm I'm gonna do air quotes here but like like in um in the Harry Potter movies, whenever they're like the, for being like kids movies, this is where the air quotes is. I know I was like, going to announce them, but you didn't. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, they they kind of go in like they go to like creepy places, and I like because it makes it for being fantasy. It kind of like counterbalances it, like makes it feel a little bit more real because they go a little bit deeper with like the violence and like even there's like a scene with Credence with like the belt yeah. where like. And oh yeah, because his mother beats him because he she thinks he's like a bad yeah, yeah. something. Well, we, well, there's a whole. Again, it's not, we, there's should, a, there's, we should talk there's about. There's a C plot in this yeah. film that we haven't really talked let's, about. Let's talk. Let's not go chronologically because we will run out of time if we do that. Not to mention, it, it just I don't know if you guys it's felt this way. It's confusing film. It's like I was going through and I writing down like sort of the chronology of the entirety of the movie, and I was like, I don't remember what order this happened. When did they go to the the police station first? Then they escaped. They didn't really escape. They left to go get the beast. But then like she interrupts one meeting, and then there's a bigger meeting that mm -hmm. Tina interrupts, and mm -hmm. then they're like in their place, and then they're in the thing. So, and I was like. I don't remember 
what yeah. happened when, because the, the sad part is Newt finding his monsters uh, doesn't <laughs> what they're beasts. beasts I'm sorry. <laughs> Newt's finding his beasts. Yeah. Um, doesn't, to me. He's just making, yeah, that's sick jokes. Yep. Um, <laughs> doesn't matter until there's one line in the movie when they're like trying to collect the last one. Um, um, that he was basically like, we need to get when these. He found his monkey. Yeah, no, 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 no. It wasn't the monkey. It was the monkey and the um. Where and, was his monkey? Oh, the, so the the demi guys, the, the demi guys. Yeah, the demi guys. Here's my list of the of the beasts in the movie, please, real quick. Please, please. So please. we had Bo Truckle, uh, which was Pickett. He was his favorite, and I named him AKA Baby Criminal Groot. Uh, <laughs> then the demi guys was the Invisible Future Monkey. He was the monkey that could turn invisible, and you had to surprise him to catch him. <laughs> Uh, then there was the Arumpit, a.k.a. Acid Pus Rhino, mm -hmm. which was a Did cool sequence. Pus? Yeah, because remember like he stabbed the tree and it uh, like lava yeah. acid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was the Grap Horns, which were uh, a.k.a. I called them Denver the Last Dinosaurs because they kind of looked like that sort of dinosaur and they were the last ones of their kind. Okay. <laughs> uh, then there was the Mertlap, a.k.a. Mr. Bitey, whose only purpose was to bite uh, Kowalski and sort of let that was the reason they had to kind of keep Kowalski around. He yeah. was the, sort of that reason. Uh, then there was the Niffler, a.k.a. Scrooge McDuck, oh my gosh, who was yeah. probably yeah, yeah. my favorite. He was kind of funny. He was just this little platypus that could like sneak through shit and just stole everything. Yeah. He was awesome. <laughs> uh, then there was the uh, Akami. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. Akami, which I oh, called yeah. uh, a.k.a. <laughs> teacup Quincecotl, which is a, a, a Mayan, I believe, yeah. god, uh, which looks a lot like <laughs> what it looked like. Oh uh, but he was, I just liked that he got in the teacup. Uh, and then there was Swooping Evil, which I called AKA the Winged MacGuffin, because it just could do everything that it was. The, it was needed. like the, the rain cloud that follows around characters and like when they're depressed. Well, that only, no, in Swooping Evil, like he could use it as a weapon. Oh, or no, no, no sorry. A, I'm, yeah. thinking, I'm thinking of the. It was uh, like the mini version of it. No, like, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about the. Uh, you're talking about the, the Venom thing, yeah. right? I'm talking about the actual big bad right and i know i know so then uh, it was like an armadillo bird it had like a skull like yeah, yeah, like yeah. exoskeleton but the but the but the swooping evil it was like it was like it can be a platform it can be a thing that attacks it can have venom that makes you forget stuff because we need that to happen at the end of, like it was just very mcguffany so, and then the last thing sorry is just i love how they all have these cool names and then the last cool one is you wrote no no and then the last <laughs> one is thunderbird and i wrote aka exactly what the name says right yeah <laughs> it's a thunderbird yeah so but there's a there's a secondary plot in this in this third uh, dairy uh, yeah, uh, how many dairies so, are there about two percent um a a politician who's waging a war against the idea that you know magic exists um and, and oh yeah there's like a d plot yeah yeah and it's kind of and the oh. thing is in terms of our our recent played by um uh angelina jolie's dad oh yeah john voight yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. A, tr a noted trump supporter um Great. you know like the the feeling was that this was in some way related to our recent political elections yes. let's make anti-magic 1920s politics great again yeah exactly exactly um but again i felt that that plot line kind of went nowhere and it's related to to where credence comes from as well yes clearwater uh, revival <laughs> that all was very murky to it's me. A, it's very murky and it's very sort of like it's it's not structured in a way that makes you feel like this film has thought through this plot line mm -hmm. as a clear story you know and i'm talking about how does the beast connect to this bigger idea of magic versus humanity. And the only way it does is one line when they're trying to catch uh, Teacup Quinticottle, uh, the that they're like, once we've caught all the beasts, we can't be blamed for this other thing that's going around, which is the... Um, the In other words, this the unrelated... Obscure... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So In like, other we words, have... the unrelated event 
They're kind of being, they're kind of blaming now, like the bad guys after they two thirds through the movie, when they catch Newton yeah. and company, they're the uh, graves. Yeah. Uh, Colin, Farrell Colin Farrell is right. like, he's like, Oh, it must be all these beasts doing it. Cause he wants to sort of harness the power of this evil thing. This repressed wizard somewhere yeah. for himself. Um, and it's just like, so then like two thirds through the movie, they have like two lines that basically like kind of, once we catch on my beasts, they can't possibly blame me. And then once they do that, then but everything you, hits the fan, and then can, they're just thrown together. You could see like a bitter screenplay being written. It needs revisions, you like could, you story revision. You could see a bit of story being written if mm-hmm. you could say, "There's this guy with beasts in town, and this unreal, and this and this other events that are happening, and somehow they're you know like they're mistaken for each other." I mean, that's what you just described, but it's literally one line that says that, and mm-hmm. otherwise, it's not a sense that we get. We don't ever get the sense that Newton and them are actually concerned that they're being, you know, um, uh, mistaken for this big bad. Newt starts to care a little bit about the 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 big bad obscure. Is yeah. that what it is? Because mm-hmm. he's met one. Because previous. he he successfully caught one, and he still sees it sort of as like a a, a an injured sort of being a yeah. magical being mm-hmm. he has one in his briefcase but we never really find out about it until the very last second yeah. we don't really find out what it is so then until i think like he wants to someone try just to says, oh, yeah. this is what it does and then he wants to try to help whoever yeah. the new one is because credence. that's what yeah. he does well he doesn't know it's credence at the time no yeah. one does in fact they butter up credence's sister chastity or whatever the hell yeah. her name was Mod- I, I, modesty or something. Yeah, yeah for some reason i thought that was the girl from um Stranger Things. It just looked oh, like her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't. Yeah, they buttered her up well. And then, like, the whole Colin Farrell uh, Credence relationship, Graves and Credence, was just fucking weird and, like, and touched the it, talisman to the fucking kid. And but I also, was like, it has what? the best Scooby Doo ending of all time. You know, like, so after. Reveal. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. big reveal. After these characters are inexplicably thrown all throughout and together, uh, and they've there's been a magic battle that rips New York City in fucking half. Yeah. And everyone sees um, the <laughs> until they get roofie. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll talk about the roofie at the very end. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the MacGuffin roofie. Yeah, brought to you by a Swooping Evil Brand. Um, the 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 sort of surprise is that Graves is actually Grendelwald, who yeah. is played by. Johnny Depp. The second time Johnny Depp has popped up in a movie as the as the as the secret reveal in in recent years. Robin in the theater made a visible like a like a verbal just come on. <laughs> now and, and Jess and I were talking about this a little bit before you got here. Sheer, I like Johnny Depp. I like him. Sure. Okay, but why do I have this visceral response when shit like this happens? And I just I'm just like, oh really? Like. Is is it because he's so big and so recognizable that it plays this sort of twofold, like it's kind of the problem I had with Star Trek Into Darkness with Khan and all that shit. Like yeah. it's information that the characters don't see as gravitas that the audience will take gravitas from. It's because it's build it's relating it has nothing to do with the film you just watched. Right. It has everything to do with the film that they'd want you to watch in the future. Right. And, and the only and reason it has gravitas is A, you've heard the name. Yeah. And then B, it's a famous, famous, famous actor who hasn't been in the movie yet. Yeah. So and that's and that's, you know, again, where I where I started clocking out of um the Harry Potter franchise is like it it has nothing to do with the film you're watching. And this is why I think there should be a case made for holding up the prisoner of Azkaban as one of the best franchise movies ever made, because it is one of the, it is one of the few movies that 
is entirely self-contained and doesn't feel like it's trying to sell you another movie. Mm-hmm. And and the thing about Johnny Depp popping up at the end of this movie is it's trying to sell you another movie. It's not saying, hey, everything that we've been putting you through and like telling you about in this movie is related to this. It's like, it's not. It has no weight. If you put any other actor in that, we wouldn't even give a shit. That should have been, again, I'm going to go back to the Marvel playbook. That should have been, that reveal, they should have arrested Graves or whatever and drug him away. And then... Uh, after, after credits, it should have been a thing because that's where you can put the perfunctory connective tissue where it doesn't damage your story. But because it, you could turn off the movie and be like, "Oh, cool!" Like, but this if, it's is, hinge, if, if the story hinges upon it, it's like that's the entire big end of the third act, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, <sighs> yeah." I I got excited. We're <laughs> so skeptical and Jess finds the joy. Yeah. I genuinely didn't. I know that people knew going in because they announced it, which I don't think that they should. Oh, I didn't because even know. Because it was yeah. it was such a. I, I like was trying. I was in those new recliners, and so you can't like quite reach out. But I was like trying to like grab my friend to like let her know how shocked I was, <laughs> yeah. and I couldn't reach her. Yeah. And um, I thought it was really exciting. I think that a lot of what might rub you the wrong way is that you kind you worry that you know what you're gonna get. And I think for someone like that, like a character like that, that's like a, a, that's supposed to be like the Voldemort before before Voldemort, like the big bad. Like you kind of want. You you kind of want something a little bit more unhinged that you don't know what and you're mysterious get. and mysterious and who knows what he'll do with it because I think that um, the producers were saying that they had a, like some really really interesting character building I hope so. that they're yeah. doing with him that that he like was surprising them and so hopefully he'll do better than anyone would imagine but I actually got really excited I <laughs> look if if it's if it's a grade Johnny Depp it's gonna be fucking awesome yeah. but if it's fucking Alice in Wonderland cash grab Johnny Depp I can't even watch but, those, but yeah. the other thing that's related to this as well is like Newt's uh, Newt has like a tragic backstory that we're kind of related that we're kind of that is re- brought up in two sentences it's brought up in two sentences and it's because he gets the- thrown in front of the council yeah and then they're like oh uh, Scamander the, the war hero no this is his disgraced no, no, brother but he's got so- yeah he's got and, and also some- there's a story about the woman he the girl he might have loved when he was at Hogwarts that's mentioned you know we see a photo of her it's played by Zoe Kravitz oh yeah uh, and they talk about it a lot at the end of the film and again that's that problem which is that it has nothing to do with the film you're watching it has everything to do with a film that you might watch in the future. And unfortunately, I don't care. That was also interesting though, because she's related to the Helena bottom Mm. Carter Carter character. Yes. The Lestrange. Sorry. Wait, but maybe, but you know what I'd like to see honestly. And again, I don't like that they spent so much time on it, but if they, what if we had Zoe Kravitz who's playing her? Yeah. Yeah. If they had her in the film, I know. What if, what if the next movie is about her? Like I would like that better. Yeah. Because then you sort I, of I think see... the version you're pitching where it's like a new character each time, basically the Marvel theory of franchise filmmaking, mm-hmm. I would probably be more interested in that than this idea of like... Let's shoehorn this, yeah. It's Newt's second adventure that, that, that brings that, him closer that. to Grindle what? Grindle? Grindle? Say it again. Grindle. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Grindle Wendell? <laughs> Mr. Wendell. Mr. Wendell. <laughs> Mr. Wendell. Uh, Mr. Wendell Depp. Here, Mr. have a dollar. Um, Here, in fact, no, brother man. Here, uh, have two. <laughs> Anyway, we're going pretty long, uh, so I think we should do final thoughts, right? Oh, man. Yeah. Do, sure. uh, I, I'm going to... I'll start. I'll start, guys. And okay. we'll let Jess finish. Um, guys. 
I think it's a fun time at the movies, but it's overall needlessly complex, as I said. Uh, the character work that the main four do, I really enjoyed, and that's what kept me involved. In fact, I got slightly, not like tear-worthy, but like I could feel the welling of a little bit of emotion at the end when they were all sort of saying goodbye and like they had to erase the fucking they memory roof, of they roofied, uh, the they roofied guy. They roofied the city. By the way, uh, if you're inside as two-thirds of Manhattan normally is, you still know wizards exist. Just throwing that out there. No, no, but they, sh- they showed that people drinking the water or having a shower got roofied. But what about all the people that aren't in water while that's happening? I, I, can you avoid? They're eventually w- going to drink it and yeah. bathe in it. Yeah. So it's just like it's a continual poison. So wait, by that logic, we never have to worry about humans remembering magic. Like yeah. it's gonna eventually there's, some. There's just too many variables. It, if they also, poison, it's the a, Batman theory. They poison the water supply. There was a caveat in that spell too, in which that they were only it was only going to erase like the bad memories, and that's why Jacob at the end like has like remembers like the animals. That in the bakery scene at the end with Kowalski finally opening his bakery was was super sweet. Uh, uh, no, see, like, that was the singer because oh, sorry, pastries this is, this are sweet. Final yeah. Up, anyway, uh, and the last thing I'll say, uh, it hasn't really made me sort of like a Potter fan, but if they do sort of the things that I'm psyched about, like maybe diving into other characters, even if it still is the fucking Fantastic Beast like name, if they just make new main characters, I will be excited enough to keep watching this franchise. This has not made me be like, hmm, maybe I should watch. Mm-hmm. The Harry Potter movies again, but because I'm not. So, like, I don't know. I just, I think if you're a Potter fan, obviously go see it. <laughs> if you're not a Potter fan, you, it might be good for you, but it's probably not going to, like, blow your mind. Shahir? Right. Uh, I mean, I think there, for one, yeah, the movie is way too long. I think the idea, the fact that it's connected to four other films, uh, it hasn't enthused me to see those four other films at this point. That said, I think there's enough magic pleasure to be had at the end of the film (laughs) (laughs) Um, that that maybe if this is your deal that that you know you'll enjoy it I personally am not enthused about it I I think I think fundamentally the idea the idea of them making four more films just really turns me off it really, really just puts it just it just make it's ballsy. It's saying fuck you. You're gonna see these. Oh, really? Think, you think it's ballsy? Think, you think a, you think I'm a saying mar- it's bad? I'm saying it's bad. Yeah, I'm saying a mar- it's a ballsy move. It's not. I don't think it's smart. It's it's a marketing executive or mar- you know a marketing yeah. team Sorry, saying you know, this is this is the way we're gonna do this. Um, I think the movie has w- three way too long endings. That that ending at the you know like him forgetting and then we're seeing the other wrap up and then the, you know, at the train station and then the wrap up at the end with the, at the bakery. I'm just like, Oh, please just let this movie in for fuck's sake. Um, so you loved it. Five stars. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and then I just, I'm, I'm, I'm again having this problem, which is that I don't feel this movie has a clear thematic through line. Like it's not a movie about anything. It's a movie with scenes of stuff happening and story happening. That sets up a story that'll probably be happening. Later. Yeah, but it has no theme. It's not like, it's, it's, and I think, you know, like, again, if you go back to a film like Jurassic Park, that is a film about parenting. And that's clearly what that film is about. And everything that happens in that film is related to that. This movie is about what exactly? It's, it's kind, there's some stuff there about conservationism. There's some stuff there about understanding each other. There's some stuff there about like, uh, not fearing the other, which relates to our political environment today, yeah. but it's like it's not clear. It's a bit of a muddle. So I'm, you know, like if if the only reason to see it is you like people firing wands at each other, which for me, all I can think about is like the um, 
the B-roll from that where you're just seeing people like shaking sticks at each other and pretending that they're getting hit. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's not enough. I, I just, I don't think it's enough. I, I, yeah. <laughs> all right. Jessica. Yeah. Take us home. All in all, I thought it was, I thought it was fun. And then I, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Like it's, it's messy. Like the storytelling is messy. And I have to wonder, like, is, did they set up like all these like different things that we like lost count of because they want it to be unpredictable in terms of where it goes. <laughs> be your most unpredictable. Is each film going to go into a different place? And this was like one giant, like stretched out setup for a bunch of different things later on. But also, like that's risky because look how annoyed we are. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, Don't fuck it up. Yeah, I agree with what you said. Which at the end, I was, she's pointing at me. She's pointing yeah, at me. Not, not me. Matt. <laughs> yeah. Shahir wasn't moved at all. I'm about, to, I'm about to talk about being moved. No, I feel like a film, it's really impressive when a film at, on this scale can move you at the end. Um, whenever you feel, you feel the feelings, like you feel like sort of like there was change in, in maybe some characters at, at the end. Um, I I thought that that was pretty cool. I know that Eddie Redmayne too said that that's why he took the role because mm-hmm. he was like, it wasn't the the barrel load of cash that they sent to his door. It might have also been <laughs> No, it was that. just, it definitely was not that. But he was also paid not to say that. Uh, <laughs> um, I wanted to say something else, too, about, oh, so the Grendelwald, I know we're all sick of his name, the Grendelwald <laughs> yeah. stuff. Wait, you hear what's his name? Grundle, Grundle McNoodle. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Grendel Grundle? Yeah, killed um, it. <laughs> um, I like, too, that, like, in retrospect, like, look, going back, um, there were hints along the way that he was, well, first of all, they had the same haircut. Yeah. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> and Johnny Depp. And Col- were Johnny Depp and Colin Farrell both in that um, Terry Gilliam movie where they both replaced Heath Ledger? I forget the name. Oh, Dr. Mr. Magorium's Dr. Fantastic uh, Emporium. Yeah, were they both in that movie? Wonder, that's maybe. what gave it away sure. for me. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> um. The little like Deathly Hollows pen, the talisman that yep. you were saying, yeah. that was sort of um, because I think in in like the Potter canon, he like is the one that holds like the Elder Wand, and that um, he's he's got like all these special tricks too. Like he was able to do the no wand magic, which was like for which for Harry Potter people is like really cool. Like that's like a next level type thing of what he was doing a lot without his wand and just like waving his hands. Yeah. He was (laughs) doing what Dr. Strange does on a Tuesday. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Did you see Dr. Strange? I didn't. I disagreed with it. (laughs) (laughs) You just didn't want to annoy Matt. I didn't know what else to say. Um, I'm going through my six pages. Welcome to my world, by the way. Six pages of notes, and so it was also a time for me to change. I understand. I just. I also Uh understand that I make Marvel criticism people uncomfortable, and I I can take that. (laughs) Shahir, you touched on there. There's themes here of of touching on like our current culture and like fearing the other and that type of thing. And I what I thought was interesting about the obscurial. Mm-hmm. Like the the black cloud, yeah. That um, yeah. and and it was related only so far as we know now to children, um, that it was sort of like the Harry Potter like heightened heightened version of like when a kid doesn't know how to manage their own fear and their own um sort of like internal darkness that they project it outwards and it's like the monster in the closet. Yeah, and that because this is Harry Potter, they made it they made that monster in the closet like an actual physical thing. tangible yeah. thing and also there's a whole plot i don't know if you if you've read this but the whole side thing about like well dumbledore sending harry potter away 
right? Because he did that. Mm-hmm. He chose to do that. Is like double dangerous because if these obscurals happen when super magic kids are repressed, yeah, they send him away to be repressed in in safe in Muggle Town, yeah. Uh, then he could easily have become one of these things. Like there's there's a whole thing about that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry okay. Jess. Yeah. Uh, back to you. <laughs> um, yeah, but I I mean I like all that stuff. I think it's I think it's interesting. I love yeah, such I do an asshole today. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think. I, I don't know. I, I think should people see it? I think people should see it. I think too. I think um, if you like if you like Harry Potter, you're gonna you're, you're going gonna to see like this. it. Yeah, you're right. gonna see it. But it's like more it. should people that haven't seen Harry Potter go see it. I don't think you should start with these. Really? Yeah. I mean, because I'd be super interested. Actually, anybody there's write nothing, in there's if nothing you nothing to anchor you. Yeah, I would really be interested if anyone listening, uh, please write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail dot com. If this is your first experience watching or reading or doing anything with Harry Potter, I'd be really interested to hear what... There'll be a whole generation. You know, like, it's 2016. The first film came out in 2001. I'm not sure when the first books came out. But I'm sure, like, parents were, like, priming kids. Like, it, Mm it... I don't know. Anyway, guys, this has been the only podcast about Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on and thank keeping you. us yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, we definitely want to have you back. When you're not doubling down on the fact that Shahir is dead inside, where can folks find you? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Mother Tucker, M-O-T-H-A-T-U-C-K-A. <laughs> I love your Twitter. And on Instagram at Just Tucker 3 I actually changed it briefly. Really? And Why? then changed Why? it back. I missed it. Yeah. I As just you thought maybe oh, I, didn't even I know you made could it when that. I was like very young, and then I didn't know you could change your handle. You can, yeah. you can mm-hmm. just you can change it anytime you want. Anytime, yeah, wow. literally Thursdays anytime. Yeah. <laughs> Technology is so beyond me. All right, well, what about you, Shahir? You can find me at shahirdad.com. That is H A H I R D A U D. Connections to my Instagram, Twitter, and all that bullshit is in there. <laughs> Doesn't it just make you want to rush out and go? I don't know why you'd want to look at that stuff. To be honest with you, <laughs> because you're an you're an interesting, critical thinking film man. No, I'm not. No, we love you for it. Yeah. You, you need Just because you're you dead inside doesn't mean sides. you don't have other wonderful no, qualities. But but seriously, though, if you do want to see me, um, you can come out to the HBO <laughs> Theater this week uh, at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Uh, look up for the tickets at Eventbrite. It's uh, hosted by the only podcast about movies and uh-huh. the Blue Collar Post Collective. We are doing a technical dive into the first film that was shot at 120 frames per second. That's Ang Lee's Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, which is a long title to remember. Um, but come along if you want to meet the post-production team from that film and talk about this new technology. Now, that's an interesting one because it's very hard to see that film in that format. Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing, too. Anyone who's going, who hasn't gotten tickets or has tickets already that's in the in the earshot of my voice, if you go, I would love it if you wrote in or even possibly sent uh, an audio file of you reviewing Shahir oh, man. doing the panel. In a what? Harry Potter shirt. In a oh. Harry Potter shirt. What shirt should I wear? Oh, Wizards I don't know. Wizards ain't shit? Yeah, wi- Wizards, Wizards ain't, ain't shit. shit. <laughs> okay. I'm going to make a Wizards ain't shit shit. Oh, God. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. We'll see you next week for another film. Meep. <laughs> <laughs> Best ending ever. Also, longest episode. Let's get the fuck out. Of here. <laughs>